the JJ3 Experience Podcast is presented by Upstate Social, the destination for residents. By residents, Upstate Social has everything for your social scene in the greater capital region. From day trippers, favorite restaurants and bars to regional events, their recommendations are perfect for planning a date night or a family-friendly outing. Thank you for listening and making this podcast a part of your day. Make sure you check out our website, jg3experience.com. That is jg3experience.com minus the E in experience. You can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, the JG3 website, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Episode number two on tap today, a little throwback to open up the JG3 experience. Head coach or coordinator, or as we like to say, coordinator. Fun little take on each current coach in the NFL. The game will speak for itself. So let's jump into it. Episode number two, head coach or coordinator. Welcome in, come one, come all, Joe Gill on hand. This is the main event of episode two of the JG3 Experience podcast, where we are doing NFL head coach or coordinator. I really love this game. This is an original that Robespierre Rubenstein and I came up with. I don't believe it was only one of us. It was a pretty joint venture, so I must give him a shout out where credit is due. The premise of head coach or coordinator is to go through the list of coaches currently, head coaches in the NFL and break it down is that they should be head coaches, that they are head coaching material, or they really are just glorified coordinators holding spots for someone else who eventually will get another shot. Now, obviously, this league is designed to, as is most coaching, where you get the head position after doing some sort of assistant role, whether that be coordinator in football or assistant coach in basketball or being a bench coach in baseball or a first base coach or a third base coach, uh, what have you. So obviously you need to kind of grow out of the coordinator role to become a head coach and some of the coaches in this league have been great coordinators and have been around the league a long time. That's kind of just how it goes. You're seeing more and more now in sports, especially when it comes to soccer around the world, that uh, former players are getting opportunities to manage uh, if they have not necessarily coached, or even in baseball, we're seeing now where you get some of these analytics guys that have never managed before uh, being thrusted into the manager role because essentially they fill out the card and do everything else just based on the numbers. But the NFL obviously is much, much different and kind of its own uh, thing where it comes down to a lot of different preparation. It's it's weird to do so much prep for you know three hours on a Sunday where you know, you're practicing and, and putting together a game plan for a whole week. So there is so much more work that goes into it outside of how much time is actually spent on the field and how much time is actually spent playing. So give these guys a lot of credit regardless. But let's jump in. We're going to begin with the AFC in the East Division that houses the New England Patriots, the New York Jets, the Buffalo Bills, and the Miami Dolphins. And we'll start with New England because this is the easiest one in the league. Obviously, we have Bill Belichick who is arguably the greatest coach in the history of the game. Six Super Bowls, they're on just an absolutely incredible run when you thought their dynasty was over. It's kind of reinvented itself, and there's no doubt 
in my mind, at least, that they're going to get to their fourth straight Super Bowl and probably win it. There is not a team out there that I've seen so far that could beat them this year. So there's no doubts about this. Bill Belichick, obviously, is a head coach and will always be. Uh, Not much else to dwell on there. Next team is the New York Jets. Now, Adam Gase is an interesting guy. Now, he was a really good coordinator in Denver when Peyton Manning was there, uh, went to Chicago, was on that staff as well uh, when John Fox went there, got an opportunity in Miami. It wasn't a complete failure in Miami. You know, it was interesting because he, he didn't really have a, a quarterback. Uh, Tannehill was, was serviceable and, and, and definitely had some potential, but never fully quite lived up to it while he was there. They did have a couple of decent seasons, and, you know, he probably could have stayed on there, but it was probably best for both parties to move on because they're rebuilding anyway, and even if he was there this year, he would have gotten the axe. Now, I personally was surprised when he got the Jets job. Now, obviously, as the league is trending towards being completely offensive and going in this direction where we're trying to find the next great offensive mind to be a coach, and when you have a young quarterback like Sam Darnold, it it made sense. I might not have agreed with it at the time, but it definitely made sense to give him an opportunity. I think that a lot of people wanted Mike McCarthy, but Honestly, after being in Green Bay for so long and kind of the the difficulties he might have had with Rodgers, and obviously there are a lot of people that have had difficulties with Rodgers over his career, I think it was interesting to kind of go with somebody that would be an offensive mind and would kind of only do one side of the ball, whereas McCarthy was more of a oversight for the whole team. And I think, you know, bringing in a guy like Greg Williams and basically saying, hey, run the defense, has really helped Adam Gase. And obviously, Darnold being out with Mono and really not being himself in the first game. We've seen what they're capable of this past week beating Dallas. But for now, I have Adam Gase labeled as coordinator. I just do not believe that he is going to be the kind of guy that can completely oversee an entire football team and and make the decisions that are required of a head coach. I think that sometimes he is in over his head. Now, I do commend him for kind of holding the playbook back and not allowing other teams to see anything while Darnold was out. I think that that was ingenious and actually something that I really had not heard of before, at least in this era of me watching football. So I thought that was very, very interesting and a good tactic on him. The jury will still be out again. I don't think that he is destined to be, you know, the Jets coach for the next 10 years. I think that he is going to be one of those kinds of guys that bounces around, goes from head coach to coordinator, head coach to coordinator, will probably get another opportunity elsewhere. But look, I mean, it, it it's definitely the right, it ended up being the right hire, I think, at least for now. They do have an opportunity to grow together, him and Darnold, and that's what you want. The likes of guys like Sean Payton and Breeze being together for so long. That's the goal here, is to find a younger guy that you can pair with your franchise quarterback for a long time. So hopefully Adam Gase ends up being that for the Jets. Right now I have him listed as coordinator. There's just not enough that I've seen to label him a head coach and make me believe that he will be there long term past a couple of seasons. But I do think that it's been good for Darnold so far and it's going to be a good opportunity for Gase to really prove himself. Next team is the Buffalo Bills. Now, Sean McDermott, this is a team that really does not get a lot of discussion or a lot of love. Now, I personally believe that Sean McDermott is a head coach and is going to be for a long time in this league. He's a defensive guy. He was with Carolina for a long period of time under Ron Rivera. 
I think it was at a great hire by the Bills. They went with a bunch of mediocre people time after time after time. And as much as it probably is difficult for a market like Buffalo to get, you know, a decent head coach, they went kind of in the other direction. They thought outside the box. And this is a really well-coached football team. You see it in their games week after week. They're well-disciplined. They always have a great game plan. They don't ask Josh Allen to do anything outside of what they think he's capable of doing. They always have a great defense. This defense is really good this year. I think McDermott has really done a phenomenal job. You know, when you break the non-playoff streak that was the longest in the league when the Bills got to the playoffs with Tyrod Taylor two years ago, this team really has an opportunity to become the second team in this division. Now, we're still waiting, obviously, on Brady to retire whenever that's going to be, and you would expect that maybe the mantle might change depending on who the quarterback is for New England after Brady. But Buffalo Bills have a really good opportunity here, and I do think Sean McDermott has the opportunity to be the coach there for a long period of time, and it looks like he's doing a really phenomenal job, and I I applaud him, and I do believe that he is more of a head coach kind of the guy in the room that oversees everything. He's more of the prototypical, what you see, not so much focusing on one side of the ball, more of the oversider. And I really like Sean McDermott. I think it ended up being a phenomenal hire for Buffalo. The last team in this division is the Miami Dolphins. Now, they hired Brian Flores this year. He's another Belichick disciple. He's a defensive guy. Uh, When the league is going, offense with all its hires, the Dolphins went the other way. Flores, uh, you know, he... In my opinion, at least, he's he's not going to get a fair shake in this job. He's land for the slaughter in this position. The Dolphins will win one game or less this year. I don't think that that's a indictment on him in any sort of way. There's just not going to be enough to evaluate his capabilities as a head coach. You know, the only thing that I really see at this point is when it comes to Belichick disciple hires, at least in recent years, they really have not worked out. You know, you can go back as far as Charlie Weiss going to Notre Dame, most of these coordinators are glorified guys that are not head coach material, whether it's Romeo Cornell, Josh McDaniels, Brian Flores, Mike Vrabel. I think the jury's still out on Matt Patricia, but you know I do think that most of these guys that come from New England end up being more glorified coordinators than actual head coach material, but again, he probably will end up being there two years, maybe three. You know, They may win you know, a couple of games in his tenure. It's kind of like when Hugh Jackson was in Cincinnati where he only got a chance to win a game or two and they were kind of tanking. And then when, you know, they actually got a quarterback that they believed in and everything else, he got a, a few games and then they axed him. I think Brian Flores will end up having the same thing. Depending on how high their pick in the draft is, it should be a top three pick. And some of the other picks they've gotten through trades and whatnot, you know, if they end up getting a top-tier quarterback rookie and it ends up being successful... Again, I don't think that that necessarily is going to be on him because he's more of a defensive guy, but that's really the only way that he'll be able to be in Miami past two or three years. I do think this was kind of a bridge hire where they just wanted to get somebody in there for a couple years during this rebuild, kind of draft up and everything else, and then eventually they will go after some bigger name offensive guy, and they will hire him to work with whoever the next franchise quarterback they're hopeful is. That'll do it for the AFC East, so we'll move on to the North now, and we'll start with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, Mike Tomlin is only the third coach in the last, like, 60 years for the Steelers. I've always been hard on Tomlin, but to be consistently good year after year, you you obviously have to make him a head coach. He's won a Super Bowl. I think that that's more than you need to know about the kind of guy. He definitely is head-of-the-table kind of guy when it comes to 
delegating and being part of the organization where you you need your head coach to be now it has become a a bit of a clown show in the last couple years and they did get rid of all the guys that i think were really hurting them i don't think that necessarily is an indictment on tomlin there was kind of a point in time where it was a you know inmates running the asylum type of deal but i don't think that necessarily has to do with him so much as it had to do with the strong personalities of antonio brown and Le'Veon bell and even without ben this year you know, I don't think that their season is done, and I think a lot of that is going to have to do with how good a job Tomlin does. He always has great staffs, good coordinators. I, I always think he's done a really good job. He definitely is a head coach in this league. Now, what I think will be interesting now, when you have such a stable organization that runs itself so well, like with the Steelers, there's talk now about maybe Tomlin jumping ship to go to Washington and take the job with Dan Schneider in probably offering the vault to get him there. That, I think, would be a really interesting test for a guy like Tomlin, or anybody, really, to see how good of a coach he actually is. And personally, I I, I wouldn't take the Washington job if they offered it to me today. I don't think anybody should coach there. I just think they have such bad organization structure, and it's just never going to be that successful with Dan Schneider uh, as the owner. But think that that would be a really interesting test for Tomlin to see just how good he is because I do think there is I guess being with Pittsburgh that makes it much easier to be successful as a head coach but nevertheless you still have to do the job he's been to a couple Super Bowls 1-1 so you can't take that away from him next coach on the list Baltimore Ravens John Harbaugh now he's definitely a head coach he's exactly the kind of prototypical guy we've been talking about where He's not necessarily on one side of the ball or the other. I believe his background is in special teams. He is a guy that's been there a long time. Again, has won a Super Bowl with maybe a quarterback that, as good as Flacco was during that run, it's one of the greatest runs for a quarterback in the history of postseason. You know, he's done a lot with subpar talent on the offensive side of the ball. Now, they've always had good defenses. I've always liked Harbaugh. I've always felt that he's actually the better brother of the two. And he is a guy, like I said, who he's he's a head of the table guy that you want, where he can be everywhere, do all different things. He's a part of the game plan on both sides of the ball. I appreciate his capability to continue to adapt. He's a, I think he's a good in-game manager as well. You know, he definitely makes a lot of the right decisions. Now, when it comes down to close games and you have a kicker like Justin Tucker, it's always easy to do so because you could pretty much put him anywhere from here to the moon and he'll make it if you need him to but I do continuously believe that they've really done a great job especially in this transitional period with Lamar Jackson getting him in spots to be successful I think John Harbaugh is one of the better coaches in this league and he's done a phenomenal job in his time in Baltimore I'm glad they retained him from a Jets fan perspective I was hoping he'd be cut loose because he would have definitely been the first guy that I would have wanted them to go after He's definitely a guy that should be in Baltimore for a much longer period of time, and I I think he's a terrific head coach. Next coach is Freddie Kitchens at Cleveland. And listen, Freddie Kitchens has gotten a lot of heat. Uh, One of the guys I love listening to, as you all know, Colin Cowherd, has been very hard on Cleveland even before the season because if you just looked at their schedule, you saw how much they were going to struggle. Now, they were on a bye this week. They go to New England next week. They're going to be 2-5. and Do I think all of this has to do with Freddie Kitchens? No, not necessarily. He really was not qualified for the job in the first place. He really should have never been hired for this position to begin with. Obviously, there are a lot of different things in-game that you could take away from 
that he's really struggled in. But again, I don't know what the expectation was when you hire a guy that's never even been a coordinator before. So again, I'm not going to sit here and indict Freddie Kitchens. Do I think he's head coach material? Absolutely not. I do think he is in over his head, but at the same time, you know, he's one of these kinds of guys that should have never gotten the job in the first place. I do think he could be a good coordinator, and I do think that he obviously was good for Baker Mayfield. They made a re- they you know they they decided to elevate him for some reason, but I do think that he at at most in this league is a coordinator. He's definitely not head coach material. We're seeing that. I do like some of his sound bites and how he handles the media, but he's the kind of guy that needs to focus on one side of the ball, work directly with the offense, and deal with only that. He's not a decision maker. He's not a guy that's going to rule a locker room, especially with all the talents and, and different characters that they have in Cleveland. It's just not a recipe for success for a guy like this. You know, this team needs a disciplinarian, an old school guy to keep everybody in check. There's too much talent on this team for them to be kind of this clown show that they've become. And I just don't believe Freddie Kitchens is head coach material, nor will he ever be. Cincinnati Bengals, Zach Taylor. Now he's been on the job for six games, zero and six. I do believe he's going to be one of these glorified coordinators. Again, one of the Sean McVay, flashy at the time hires where all of these guys are going out on their own because somebody wants a piece of the Sean McVay tree. Again, this is not going to work. He's going to be a coordinator. This is a two-year job, maybe one if they don't end up winning anything and and he's out. But Cincinnati needs to do a complete and utter rebuild because Andy Dalton is not good. He has never been good. They need to give somebody Whoever the next guy is going to be a fair shake now. Obviously, they kept Marvin Lewis for a really long time. Probably too long, but again, I think that this is a franchise that, with a quarterback like Dalton, you're never going to be more than mediocre, and that's as good as they were. And so, again, I don't think that this is going to be an indictment necessarily on Zach Taylor, but again, he's another one of these guys that doesn't quite have the experience that maybe some of these other guys do. And I think that until he gets a lot more work as a coordinator role, we're never going to be able to see how good a head coach he can be. But these things tend to go south easy, especially in a division this tough where they're definitely the fourth best team by far in terms of talent and quarterback play and everything else. This is going to be a disaster for Zach Taylor. And, and until he gets a fair shake, he, he can only be labeled as a coordinator. On to the AFC South we go. The Indianapolis Colts, we'll start with Frank Reich now. He's a guy that I really have been impressed with in almost basically a year and a half on the job. Now, obviously, they've dealt with Andrew Luck retiring in stride. They've really done a phenomenal job keeping the ship afloat, so to speak, having Jacoby Brissett step in. You know, it's not every day that most teams kind of have a backup that can come into the starter role and be really successful. I know we're seeing that this year, but I do think that it is a testament to Frank Reich ability to coach. He comes from a good place. He was in Philadelphia under Doug Peterson, who is another one of those Andy Reid disciples. He kind of is an extension of that tree. I do think that he makes really good decisions in game games. You know, he got killed last year. They were one and four, I believe, and it was like fourth and four on their own 30 against Houston, and they decided to go for it. He went for it, didn't get it, But I love that in a coach where you have a lot of confidence in your team and your guys go out and make a play. They didn't end up obviously making the play and they lost that game maybe because of that decision. But ultimately, I do think that Reich has done a phenomenal job. He does have staying power. He's a great play caller. 
He's a great offensive mind. He's the prototypical guy of where this league is going. And I do think if you can have success with Jacoby Brissett, who is not as good a quarterback, I think, as people believe, uh, that definitely is a testament to his ability to coach. And again, Indianapolis is one of these franchises that's not necessarily a gigantic market, but they finally have a real roster now with a real offensive line and a defense that's fairly decent. So I think that they're going to continue to battle, and I think Frank Reich is, is the right guy to hand handle this team and handle the job, and I do think he is head coaching material for sure. Next team on this list in the AFC South is the Houston Texans, Bill O'Brien. Now, he's a head coach to me for a lot of different reasons. Obviously, kind of won the power struggle, I guess, so to speak, in Houston with the GM. They still don't have one as of now, from my understanding. Sending two first-rounders to get Laramie Tunzel was a really smart move. He got killed for it at the time he did it. I think that that's going to end up being a much, much better trade, giving up two first-rounders than the Jalen Ramsey one that the Rams just made. Because when you have a guy like Deshaun Watson, as good as he is, as capable as he's shown he is, you have to protect him at any mean, by any means necessary. And he's been electric, and, o- and O'Brien has shown that he can lead this team. You know, he is a good offensive mind. It is a weaker division, yes, but he's won it more often than he hasn't which is never easy to do in this league. Now, there hasn't been any real playoff success, but again, who's had playoff success in the AFC for as long as Belichick and Brady have been there? Not many teams. There's only a couple that have been there, you know, in the last 15, 20 years that aren't New England and have been able to go into Foxborough and beat them. You know, the list is very short. So I don't think that the lack of playoff success is necessarily an indictment on Bill O'Brien. They have won playoff games. They usually do win games when they are at home. I know they didn't win it last year. But I think he's a good head coach, and I think he's going to be their coach for a long period of time. Next up is Jacksonville Jaguars. we got Doug Marone. Now, Doug Marone's had two head coaching opportunities in this league. He was in Buffalo. They were a somewhat decent team. Jacksonville, again, his I believe it was his first year, and you know, they went to the title game. And they've been kind of mediocre ever since. Now, I think a lot of that does have to do with quarterback play. I just am not a believer in Doug Marone. He, he has the build to be a head coach in terms of kind of being the guy at the head of the table. There's a big emphasis that I always put on those kinds of things. Being the guy at the head of the table is kind of my metaphor, where if you're sitting down for dinner and there's a guy that needs to make a toast or kind of lead the prayer or or what have you, they need to be able to fit that mold. And I do believe that Doug Marone absolutely does fit that mold. Unfortunately, I just think that his message goes sour after a little while and he kind of loses control of the team to a degree. I think that happened in Buffalo. I think it's happening now in Jacksonville. And I do think after this year, he will be out. And I don't think that he will get another head coaching opportunity right away. I do believe that he is more of a coordinator just because of his capabilities. I think his football mind is not as strong as maybe some other guys. I know a lot of people in this league like Doug Marone, and the Jets went after him when they needed a coach, and I'm really glad that they they didn't get him because I, I just don't think that he has the staying power. Now, he's been with two really small franchises with some really spotty quarterback play, so that's always difficult, but again, I... I'm just not a believer in his message. And so I will have Doug Marone. Like I said, he has all the attributes to be a head coach. I just don't believe that he puts them all together. So he, in my book, is a coordinator. Last team in this division, the Tennessee Titans, is Mike Brabel. Now, we talked about Belichick Disciples earlier. Again, I think that he's going to be more of a glorified coordinator than anything else. 
when Marcus Mariota's been your quarterback and now they're going to Tannehill, you know, obviously there's a lot of limitations there and there have been for a number of years. It's going to be difficult to win games. And I will give him credit. They did find a way to get themselves in that last game last year to have a chance at the playoffs. But I just don't see him being there long term. I don't see him getting another opportunity after this, at least for a little while. I do think that he's more of a coordinator. You saw him do really good work when he was on the Houston staff. I I think that he is more of a behind-the-scenes guy than a head-of-the-table guy. So I have Mike Rabel as coordinator. Last division in the AFC is the AFC West, and we'll start with the LA Chargers, Anthony Lynn. This is another guy that has kind of all the attributes to be a head coach, and I just don't think that he's as strong as as he should be. You know, I do think that Anthony Lynn is more of a coordinator. Now, they had a great season last year. You're seeing some of the struggles they're having this year. The Chargers are one of those teams that just are very, very difficult to figure out. You really don't know kind of what their deal is. They've been really talented in a lot of different years and have just never gotten done. Now, obviously, that's not an indictment on Anthony Lynn. He's only been there a couple of years. You know, he has a great play caller in Ken Wisenhunt on the offensive side. I just don't know how much Anthony Lynn has a grip on putting it all together for this team. I think he's more of a coordinator than anything else. Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid. Now, obviously, he has been head coach in this league for a very long time. He's one of the greatest play designers in NFL history. And his only knock, it seems, is that he can never win in the postseason. But again, there have been plenty of good coaches that that only get there every so often. He's a staple in the playoffs, and there is potential here for the AFC to beat Kansas City's in the post-Brady era. Outside of the playoff knock, I mean, Andy Reid has, has always been one of the best coaches in this league. And he obviously is head coach material. You don't coach for as long as you have and have the kind of success you do. With a lot of lacking talent as well, I do think that what he was able to do with Alex Smith when he went into Kansas City really was tremendous. And having a guy like Donovan McNabb, who again, I don't think was as great as people made it out to be. I do think a lot of that had to do with Andy Reid. He's really done a lot with guys that maybe necessarily have not been as talented. And then when you see, if you get a guy like Mahomes, how great the season can be. Now they're struggling a little bit right now, but I think they'll be fine. But Andy Reid is is a top five head coach in this league and has been for a long time. With the Oakland Raiders, we've got John Gruden, the guy that comes back with a 10-year, $100 million deal to be the head coach of the Oakland Raiders who will bring them into Vegas. Now, we got to see a lot of him on hard knocks. I think he's definitely more of a showman than he was maybe in the past. But again, he's won a Super Bowl, and you can't take away from his football mind. I think that he's got one of the sharpest minds in this league, and he's definitely a head coach material. He has been doing this a long time. He's had a lot of success in multiple different places. I do think that Oakland is a better football team than people thought they would be. I think that he's reinvented Derek Carr quite a bit, which is exactly one of the main reasons why he was supposed to be there. I think that he does a really good job leading football team. Very interesting. Again, getting to see him on hard knocks, I think, was great, kind of to see what direction Oakland is trying to go in. And he's definitely got a good vision for this team, and I think that they are going to be successful, and he's going to end up being their coach for quite some time now. And again, when you've won a Super Bowl, you have to be a head coach in this league. You don't, you don't win Super Bowls by accident. Final team in the AFC West and in the AFC overall is the Denver Broncos. Now, Vic Fangio was an interesting hire because, again, when everybody is going offense, Denver decided to go defense. And 
The thing about Vic Fangio is I think there's a reason he's gotten passed over so many times and is finally now just getting an opportunity. I do think that his hire is similar to the one in Miami where Fangio is going to be kind of a holdover in this mini Joe Flacco era where there will be you know a year or two where Flacco has this deal left and then they'll both kind of be on their way and he'll get fired and you know they'll completely revamp the organization at that time with a new coach and new quarterback and etc. You don't be a coordinator in this league for as long as he has been and never get an opportunity until now if you're not a coordinator. I think that that's just kind of what it boils down to. He's a great defensive mind, but again, he's not one of these guys that can stand up in front of a room, in my opinion, and really control the team and and, and deliver the message that needs to be done. He's a fantastic defensive coordinator. There's absolutely no doubts about that. With his track record, I just do not believe that he is going to be a guy that is a head coach for very long and it might part of that might be a kind of a raw deal but Denver's got real talent on defense and you know they struggled early on if they could win against Kansas City and, and win three in a row and get back to three and four you never know but I do think that he is destined to be in this role for a couple of years and then go back to being a very good coordinator so that's gonna do it for the AFC let's take a quick break before we jump into the NFC This episode of the JG3 Experience podcast is brought to you by Upstate Social, the destination for residents by residents. Co-founded by two spectacular young professionals, Kelly Richards and Jenna Hebert, Upstate Social has everything for your social scene in the greater capital region, from day trippers, favorite restaurants and bars to regional events. Their recommendations are perfect for planning a date night to a family-friendly outing. Kelly and Jenna were born and raised in the Capital Region, moved away for college, and returned to their favorite place in upstate New York to curate their next chapter. Check out UpstateSocialNY.com. That is UpstateSocialNY.com. Also look for them on social media at Upstate underscore social underscore. That's at Upstate underscore social underscore. Now let's do the NFC in head coach or coordinator. All right, on to the NFC now. We will start in descending order, just like in the AFC with the NFC East. So we'll start with the New York Giants, and we have Pat Shermer here coming up. And I have no other way to say it other than the fact that he absolutely, without a doubt, in my mind, is a coordinator. Now... He's had a lot of success as a coordinator. He was in Minnesota before he came to the Giants. People forget he was a horrible coach of the Cleveland Browns back in the day. Now, to be fair, almost everybody that's coached there has been terrible, so I don't really hold that much against him. But I think the way that things have kind of been since he's been in New York, they got rid of Odell Beckham, which I think was ultimately a good move for them. The year before definitely was a bit of a clown show, and I think he has been operating with Eli Manning as a completely just diminished Eli Manning that kept his job much longer than he should have. So considering all of that and considering now we got Danny Dimes in there, I I still think that this team is is a ways away, and Pat Shermer isn't necessarily coaching the the highest level of talent. I mean, the defense is absolutely pitiful. There's no other way to describe it. So, to me, I think he's a great coordinator. I don't think he's really built to be a head coach. Like I said, I I continue to always go back to this idea of, like, when guys get up, they go to the podium, they speak to the media, do you really believe in their message? And 
that's really the ultimate question for me. And when I evaluate Pat Shermer as a head coach in that role, I, I just I just don't see it. Next guy on the list, Dallas Cowboys, Jason Garrett. Now, again, he's been in charge for a long time in Dallas, and his head has been called for a number of times, and he's managed to survive, and I think that there has been reason for it. But to me, I also, again, think that Jason Garrett is a glorified coordinator. He really has not won much of anything in this eight, nine-year run that he's had with Dallas. It's kind of amazing that he's actually been the head coach uh, for that team for as long as he has been. Look, it boils down to a few different things for me when it comes to Jason Garrett. He's pretty humble and pretty quiet, but at the same token, there just seems to be no energy. There's a lot of different elements that you see visually as a head coach, and I just don't see it from him. He really doesn't show much emotion at all. He really is not a guy that you know you believe in when you look at him. He definitely has screwed up a lot of different decisions over the years, whether it's clock management, game management, what have you. And I just don't know what kind of an impact he actually has on this team. I mean, they're arguably one of the top five talented teams in this league this year. And when you have such a great running back and such a, an offense that can be really dynamic at times and has been the last couple of years, even though I do think Dak Prescott is limited to a respect, they really just haven't won anything. And it's, you know, yes, it is a product of the division. And it, every year it seems like a different team wins it. No team has won back-to-back division titles. But I, I just don't get anything from Jason Garrett. It really, there's nothing that impresses me about him, and I really am surprised he's kept his job. And I do think ultimately that he probably will get an opportunity somewhere else when he does get the axe, and he will get it this year if they don't make the playoffs. But to me, I think that he's just he's just more of a glorified coordinator than anything else. Philadelphia Eagles, Doug Peterson. Now he's won a Super Bowl, so that pretty much covers it to me. Head coach. Andy Reid Disciple has done phenomenal things with the Philadelphia Eagles organization. Again, notoriously uh, a loser for the most part. Uh, Andy Reid was there for a long time, couldn't get over the hump. Doug Peterson does it, I believe, in his second season. Him and Carson Wentz have an opportunity to be a a great head coach, uh, quarterback duo for the next decade. He really is a a fantastic play caller, very inventive, very interesting guy, very animated on the sideline. Again, we we just talked about when you go to the podium, how do you feel about these guys? Doug Peterson has that presence. He has the control of the team. He is a guy that you believe his message when he preaches it. And again, he's won a Super Bowl. There's not much else really to it. There's only so many teams that have gone toe-to-toe with New England and beaten them. And so, to me, Doug Peterson, I think, will be with Philly for quite a long time, as long as they're smart enough and the fans don't run him out of town. He is a head coach. Last team is the Washington Redskins. Now, we can talk about Jay Gruden or we can talk about Bill Callahan. Either way, Bill Callahan wins his first start. Terrific. They're both coordinators. Uh, Bill Callahan is is one of the, you know, I believe he, he took the Raiders to a Super Bowl, but he's bounced around the league quite a bit. He's a great offensive line coach. There's no denying that. He's definitely one of the best in this league. But that's all he really is. He's he's meant to be a coordinator and and not more than that. And and he's it's an interim position. Probably better off for him anyway because I don't think anybody should be working for Dan Schneider. On to the NFC North now. We'll start with the Green Bay Packers. I'm going to go with Matt Lafleur. Now I I still think the jury is is out on him. He is the most fortunate guy out of all the coaching hires I think in this past off season because yes he does come from Sean McVay and and does have a very good track record of working with him but at the same token it's not every day that you inherit one of the best quarterbacks of this generation in Aaron Rodgers 
Now, he is implementing a new offense. I think that it's been a little bit rocky at times, even though they are 5-1. and one, They do have a phenomenal defense. I don't know how long-term it's going to be. I don't really know enough about Matt LaFleur at this point. I, I think that he's definitely got head coach potential. He's got the look. He's got the pizzazz. He seems to have kind of the control over the group that maybe Mike McCarthy had lost with this team. You know, Rodgers seems to speak highly of him. There's a different energy in that building. They're winning ball games. So there definitely is a lot of good elements to the Matt LaFleur era at this point. Now the question becomes, is it just a matter of they needed a change and McCarthy was there for so long that this is just kind of what happens and anybody that was going to come in and do it? Or is it really a true testament to Matt LaFleur? We'll see. I do think he's got head coach potential, but I think for now we will label him as coordinator until he has more experience. Next team, Detroit Lions. So we've got Matt Patricia. Now I was very, very hard on the Detroit Lions when they hired Matt Patricia. I did not think much of him at all. I think his whole demeanor, his swagger is just very strange and, and definitely not head coach material. But he has really proven in his second year that he's building a culture there. Now, it, it took quite a while. You know, he was trying to come over and instill the Patriot way in Detroit, and that can be quite a major shift considering the kind of clowns that have coached Detroit and the kind of players that they've had and kind of having a, a more free-flowing quarterback-like Matt Stafford, who kind of defies the rules of what quarterbacking is supposed to be. But I think Matt Patricia is instilling culture there. And, and to me, that it's going to give him chances to win in the future. Now, this is a tough division. They probably still are the fourth best team in this division. But still, I, I, I give him a lot of credit. He seems to be turning the tide and making them into a very competitive team. I still am going to label him as coordinator for now, but I, he's done better than I thought he would to this point. And I think that there is opportunity for him to have some staying power there. It wouldn't be the worst thing for him, you know, if he if he didn't ultimately succeed there. Again, it's very difficult to take a culture like New England's and instill it elsewhere. A lot of other guys have failed doing it. So I think he's doing a better job than a lot of the other coaches that have left the Belichick staff and uh, implementing that culture. On to Matt Nagy now with the Chicago Bears. Now, Matt Nagy, I think has all the makings to be a good head coach in this league. And again, he's another one of those Andy Reid disciples. He's got a good grip on the team. I think he's making do and certainly overachieving considering the lack of talent they have offensively. Mitch Trubisky is not a good quarterback. He is going to be out of this league or, or, or sanctioned as a long-term backup and may make a lot of money doing that, but he is not a starter in this league. He is extremely limited there is not much that he can do offensively. Matt Nagy has done a fantastic job play calling and, and designing things to fit uh, what Trubisky can do. A lot of smoke and mirrors, a lot of deception. Again, it, he comes from that Andy Reid family, so I think that that's where a lot of that stuff ultimately comes from. Yes, he's not a defensive guy, and Chicago has a great defense, and that has what propelled him to be successful so far early on in his stint. But I do think, again, he is one of those guys that stands at the podium and has a good grip on the team and what needs to be said and, and how things are accomplished. He knows his role. He does not try to overstep. I don't think that he's butchered anything in-game really noteworthy. So I do think that there is a lot to be said about Matt Nagy. To me, he is a head coach. I think he will be a head coach in this league for years to come. And if it's not with Chicago, it will be elsewhere. I think he will have some really good success. I do think he has the capability to get to that level. 
of a Doug Peterson type where you could see him in a Super Bowl for sure. And maybe not with Chicago, but definitely somewhere down the line at some point. He, I think he's a terrific coach, and I think he's going to be uh, for a long time in this league. The last team in the NFC North is the Minnesota Vikings. Now, Mike Zimmer is their coach. He's been there for a number of years now. He's absolutely a head coach, and in my opinion, I actually think that Mike Zimmer is a top-five coach in this league. Now, that might sound kind of strange, because considering the other people that would be in the top-five list, well, Mike Zimmer's not a name that really comes to mind, but to me, I think he is. I think he's right on that cusp of fifth, sixth, seventh, behind Belichick and Sean Payton, and maybe even Ron Rivera and Andy Reid. I I think he is right below that class and and definitely up there he's done so much with that team they've have done a tremendous job in his tenure to become relevant to become a team that's consistently good always has a phenomenal defense you know Kirk Cousins is extremely limited we've seen that Kirk Cousins essentially is a great player against really poor defenses and, and, and teams that are not good and he folds under pressure like a lawn chair in big primetime games or against good opponents with good defenses. So considering everything that Zimmer's gone through, whether it you know was losing Teddy Bridgewater, having Kirk Cousins, who again I, I don't think exactly is, is the most vertical quarterback, considering all of those factors, I think that Mike Zimmer has done an absolutely phenomenal job. Again, he's a guy that you trust when he speaks to you. He delivers his message. He he kind of reminds me more of one of the few guys remaining in this league that's kind of the old school disciplinarian that has a grip. Doesn't have to say a whole lot. You kind of follow his lead. He reminds me a little bit of like a Tom Coughlin in a sense where he just has a very good grip on things. Doesn't have to say a whole lot. People get the message and they respect him. And I do think he is one of the best coaches in this league. So absolutely Mike Zimmer is a head coach. On to the NFC South we go. Now we'll start with the New Orleans Saints, and we'll, which is Sean Payton's team. It has been his team for the last 14 years, I believe, 13 or 14 years. Again, he's one of the best coaches in the league, like I just said. He's in the Belichick class or just below it. He has done fantastic things with a historically abysmal franchise in New Orleans. Him and Drew Brees are going to go down as a top five duo of head coach and, and quarterback in history. Another fantastic guy, a lot of passion, a lot of fire. Even still at this point in his career with the Saints, he has a grip on that team. He does fantastic things, oversees everything, offensive, genius. He's a terrific head coach, and and he'll have any job that he wants, and he's certainly a Hall of Fame coach in my book. Next team is Atlanta Falcons, and we have Dan Quinn, who will be the next coach fired uh, if he's not fired by the time we release this podcast. Now, he is a guy that, unfortunately for him, I think he got very, very lucky when it came to the year that they went to the Super Bowl. They had Kyle Shanahan calling the plays and working with Matt Ryan, and that was Matt Ryan's best season. And as we've seen in the time with Garoppolo playing for the San Francisco 49ers, just how great a coach Kyle Shanahan can be. And we'll get to him in the next division. Outside of that, though, Dan Quinn has been more or less an embarrassment for this team. He's taken over the defense. The defense is absolutely pitiful. He's a defensive guy. He did a great job in Seattle. I think he's a fantastic defensive coordinator. I just don't believe he is the guy to lead your franchise. I think that they tried to find somebody that was fairly similar to Mike Smith when they let him go. And I think that, yes, they've had some success, but it wasn't because of the defense. It was because Matt Ryan essentially had a Hall of Fame year with Kyle Shanahan. And I think that 
for the most part, this experiment with Dan Quinn has completely gone south. Again, he will not survive the season, and even if he does, he will be out. I don't think there's anything at this point outside of running the table from here that could help him keep his job. I have Dan Quinn as a coordinator. He definitely will be hired immediately by somebody, kind of like Todd Bowles was in Tampa, to be somebody's defensive coordinator. He definitely, I think, is a fantastic D coordinator. I just don't think he's head coach material. Next team is the Carolina Panthers. Now, Ron Rivera is one of the most underappreciated and under-discussed head coaches in the league. He has continuously given the Panthers a chance every single week they go out on the field. They produce great defenses. Riverboat Ron is a great energy guy. He's kind of energized the league. If you've noticed, a lot more teams go for it on fourth down now, and he was kind of the leader of that trend. And, you know, to consistently be a good coach in a small market with an average quarterback in Cam Newton, in my opinion at least, I really think he's done a terrific job. And you're seeing now kind of it pay off when they have a little bit more dynamic on offense and they've drafted really well with running back, with McCaffrey, and the receivers they have. They've always been talented, and I think Cam Newton, as weird as this may sound, has held them back. Now, yes, Cam had a couple of really good seasons, but he, I think, has always been a shell of what he really could have become if he just tried to become a little bit more of an accurate passer and really try to learn to throw from the pocket much more. I think that his time in Carolina is done, or at least it should be. They should let him move on. I think Ron Rivera has done a fantastic job with this team for as long as he's been there. It ends up being one of the better hires, even though it was kind of looked down upon at the time that they made it. He is an absolutely fantastic coach, and he is, without a doubt, the reason why the Panthers have stayed relevant uh, in recent years. Final team in the NFC South is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We have Bruce Arians, who, again, is was just brought in, had some success in Arizona, almost got to a Super Bowl, did a really good job with the Colts when he stepped in. He's been in this league a long time. He's a great play caller. He's a quarterback whisperer. However, I still do believe that he is a glorified coordinator, and I think this is another temporary situation where he was retired and he was not going to come back and coach long term. I think that this was more of a sexy hire. Tampa Bay kind of gave him an opportunity. He realized he missed the game, but I still don't think his his head is in it for the next five to ten years to coach a team. I think that they really took a shot, tried to make a splashy hire. They were hoping that Arians could fix Jameis Winston, and I don't think anyone in the league can. He is way too turnover prone, and his judgment has never been strong. They are way too talented offensively, and with Todd Bowles calling the defense, this team should be better than it is and should have been better in years past. Again, I, I think that he is a great offensive mind and a great offensive play caller. Again, I just don't see him having the same kind of grip on the team that you need to as a head coach. And I think we saw a little bit of that in the booth. He was kind of awkward, a little strange with a lot of the different references he made and whatnot. I don't know if he connects as well with this newer generation of players as some of these younger guys. And I do think he will be out in two to three years. I do not think that he is the long-term solution for Tampa, whether that's he retires or whether they fire him. I do not think he survives uh, longer than two or three years. The final division in the NFC is the NFC West, and we're going to start with the San Francisco 49ers, and we're going to talk about Kyle Shanahan a little bit. I mentioned it earlier. Now, he has the makings to be a head coach, and I believe he is. Yes, he is an offensive genius. I think he is just as talented as Sean McVay is offensively. I think that there is so much 
good that he has done with the San Francisco organization in such a short period of time, and him and Garoppolo have an opportunity to really make a career together in San Francisco for years to come. They had a great defense. Again, he, he's a glorified offensive guy, but at the same token, you know, obviously we know who his father is. We His father had great success. Kyle Shanahan's been around this league for a while, has had a lot of success with different quarterbacks, different not being a coordinator in a bunch of different places. He's got it in his blood. He's got it in his DNA. I think he absolutely is a head coach. I think he's going to be San Francisco's coach for quite some time. Even in a division as tough as that is, I think that they're going to be terrific. And like I said, as long as Garoppolo can stay on the field, the two of them really should be dynamic for the next several years. And, and I really like what Kyle Shanahan has shown in his coordinator days and in his head coaching days and, and really making more out of what talent I think that they have. I don't think they're a top five talent team in this league, but yet here they are undefeated, uh, winning games and winning some of them comfortably, mind you, and doing so with style. And I, and I think a lot of that is directly contributed to the job that Kyle Shanahan is doing. And for me, he's a head coach. Seattle Seahawks' next team, Pete Carroll, obviously, he's a head coach, Super Bowl-winning coach. He's been in Seattle a long time. We know him predominantly from having a lot of success at USC, but he's had a lot of success in Seattle in his own right, and he's survived quite a bit in this division, especially with the rise of the Rams, uh, the Cardinals being good for a couple years when they had Arians. You know, the 49ers were good for a few years when Harbaugh was there. And... Pete Carroll has been the mainstay in this division, and he continues to reinvent himself. I mean, he is a guy, it's amazing how old he is, the energy he's got, everything he does on the sideline. I don't know what they have going on in Seattle that he's on, but he just, again, continues to bring it every single week, every single day. He is the definition of what you want in a coach. Again, I don't know if he's a top five guy, because I do think there are other guys in this league that have much more of an intelligence than he does in terms of football. I think that he definitely gets the most out of his players, which I think is a skill, uh, a very unique one in its own right. So for all of those reasons, and again, Super Bowl winner, I don't think you can say enough good things about Pete Carroll. He definitely is a head coach in this league. Next team is the Arizona Cardinals, and we have Cliff Kingsbury. Now, he's a coordinator to me, and I think ultimately... The reason why he will keep this job is because him and Kyler Murray uh, are going to do good things together. I think that ultimately, though, he will be a, more of an offensive guy. Again, he, he didn't even have a winning record in college. Uh, he was kind of the flashy, sexy hire that the Jets thought about doing. A couple of teams thought about doing. Um, I think in the meantime, again, he's doing a good job with what they've got. They're definitely limited in a lot of different ways. But he's been good with Kyler Murray so far, and... That definitely is a testament to his offensive prowess. I do think ultimately that the league will kind of catch up and kind of like it always does with these trends. You know, we saw Chip Kelly go through it where he had success early on and then it wasn't as great as time went on. For me, I do think Cliff Kingsbury is more of a coordinator or he might be a temporary where he might go back to being a head coach in college at some point if he doesn't have a long-lasting run with Arizona. And I don't think that he would just because I think he's head coach material, I think that it'll be a matter of the offense will be good enough and they'll continue to give him chances because of that reason, even if he can't ultimately get kind of the whole team on the same foot. I do think Arizona is a very interesting team and they will be good. I don't know how much of it is necessarily designed to him. I do think Kyler Murray is a fantastic talent and will continue to develop and improve. But for me, I just think Kingsbury is too focused on one side of the ball and doesn't have enough experience yet. I mean, that's just kind of what it boils down to. You can't have a losing record as a head coach and be considered a head coach. It just doesn't work for me. 
The final team in the NFC West and in the NFC is the LA Rams, and we obviously have Sean McVay. Now, this is going to be a pretty hot take, I think, because I'm not nearly as high on McVay as most people are, and I actually do think you're seeing it this year, where they don't have a running game. He doesn't know what to do, and they are not making adjustments in games. They just continue to throw and throw and throw the ball. I don't think that it is necessarily all on Goff's shoulders. I do think he is better than people have given him credit for. Look, they're a good duo together. Sean McVay is a head coach in this league. Let's not get it twisted here. But again, I don't think that he's necessarily having as much of an imprint on this season positively than he has in the past. Teams have started to figure it out. New England gave the league the blueprint, and the Rams have simply not made enough adjustments, and that ultimately falls on the head coach's shoulders. If they don't go to the playoffs this year, again, we've seen that quite a bit with teams that lose the Super Bowl don't end up being as good the next year. But McVay simply has not made enough adjustments this season, and you're seeing it now. They've lost three in a row. They don't have a running game. They're not going to have a running game because Gurley is is never going to be the same, it seems like. And you just can't throw the ball 50-plus times with Goff and win consistently. It just doesn't work. He's not that kind of guy. And... Look, he's never had anything to do with the defense. Wade Phillips is a, is a tremendous defensive guy, has been in this league a very, very long time. But again, if the offense doesn't go, this team is not going to win. And ultimately, that falls on McVay's shoulders. He needs to make the adjustments. The league ultimately always catches up with you. That's kind of how this league has been, which is why we always give Belichick such love, because he continuously adapts and we haven't seen McVay adapt yet and I worry about that you know again he is a really young guy he is incredibly smart I do think he will figure it out but I do have a little bit of a worry when it comes to McVay and the LA Rams right now and I'm going to continue to because like I said I just have not seen enough of an effort to make an adjustment they basically at this point have said listen this is who we are this is what we're going to do if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't but you have to continuously make adjustments in this league and I think he really needs to kind of go deep into his playbook and try to get more creative because if they try to continue the kind of the power running game that builds off the play action, the running game is just not going to be there without Gurley. So they need to find a way to to make some adjustments offensively and get more creative so that they can they can start winning games again. So I do worry about McVeigh in that regard. Ultimately, yes, he is a head coach, and I do think he will be there for a long time. But he's going through an adjustment period right now, and as the league continues to fix itself towards kind of showing, you know, how to defend the Rams, and until he figures it out, I, I do worry about his ability to be a head coach and, and really figure some things out. So that'll do it for the NFC. That's going to wrap up head coach or coordinator, which again is uh, one of my absolute favorite games to play, and always have fun with it. We can do this for all sports. I continually will do so as the different seasons kind of unfold and as we go through this podcast as time goes on. But we're going to get out of the main event now, and I'm going to segue to a new segment that we're going to try to incorporate every show, which is called Call of the Day, which will be here right after this. Call of the Day is going to be a fun little short segment where I take a great sports moment I have heard and do a play-by-play call on it. My vision for this is taking what would be the most recent top play in my mind from the last couple of days and recreating the call in my own words, full of fun in my ridiculous play-by-play voice that was first patented through what my sisters referred to as Joeisms, and as many of you know, I am quite fond of doing fun voice calls during games when I'm watching, so 
Here is going to be the first call of the day. This is the New York Islanders overtime winner against the defending Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues from Columbus Day. I chose this call because I was at the game. The Islanders did nothing for 54 minutes of the game, got two goals late, and stole two points in a game they had no business getting a point out of, let alone two. Uh, the winner in overtime was assisted by Matt Barzell, scored by Devin Taze. So here is the original call from the TV broadcast of that game. Here's Barzell. Weaves to the outside. Barzell scores! Devontae's with the overtime winner! Two in the final, 531 of the third, and Devontae's ends it for the Isles! That was MSG Network's Brendan Burke on the call for the game winner. And here is my variation of the play-by-play call. Barzell, Barzell. stick handles around the net, shovels it in front to take that score! Devontae's in overtime, and the Islanders come back from two goals down to win it against the Blues, 3-2. (laughs) Oh, that was fun. I am going to have so much fun making those calls. I hope you guys enjoy listening to them as much as I enjoy making them. And that is what call of the day is going to be like. So that is going to do it for episode 2 of the JG3 Experience Podcast. Thank you for spending part of your day with me. It is always a treat to pod for you guys. Make sure you check out the site, jg3experience.com, without the E. The pod is on there. My novels are on there. You can purchase Dead Still Dance on Amazon in paperback or on Kindle. I'm very proud of my first published novel, and there are more on the way, so go check that out. Once again, I am Joe Gill, where I'm taking on the world one unfavorable take and opinion at a time. Until next time, cheers! Thank you.